All right, the biggest story in sports right now is Brian Flores suing the NFL, class action lawsuit against the NFL, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Giants, saying that the NFL's hiring practices are racist. Right now I'm looking up at uh, ESPN, RG3 is discussing this, and the fact that uh, Hugh Jackson has come out saying that the goal for the Browns was not to win and that bonuses were paid. So uh, this thing has so many legs to it, so many different angles to it. And right now we're going to get to the uh, legal side of this. And when we talk about legality and lawyers and courtrooms, I am obviously not an expert. So Alicia Jessup, legal analyst for The Athletic. She's a lawyer, professor at Pepperdine University. Uh, She joins the Nick Cattle Show here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Uh, Alicia, first of all, thank you for the time. It is much appreciated. Let's start with uh, this lawsuit. And in this lawsuit, it talks about black coaches being disproportionately held out from accessing the pipelines to head coaching. Uh, How powerful is that argument, do you think? I think it's a decent argument because it's backed up with numbers and data. So um, Brian Flores raises five different claims in his lawsuit, two of which are alleged violations of federal law by the NFL and three teams for now. One of those claims is a Title VII claim. And a way that you can prove a violation of a Title VII claim is by showing what is called disparate impact. What disparate impact looks at is if there's a facially neutral employment practice, such as requiring that a head coach have coordinator experience before being promoted to that role. But if that facially neutral practice falls more harshly against a protected class of people and in the United States race is a protected class, then you can show a violation of Title VII. So if the allegations in his complaint are true, He has a pretty good case, but as those cases turn, the employer has a defense called the business necessity defense, where what they can argue is even though this practice might fall more harshly on one group than another, the practice is necessary for the business to operate effectively. And I I think there also is a case to make that if you're going to become a head coach of an NFL franchise, you do need that coordinator experience. So um, as a good lawyer would say, this case cuts both ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the one thing I've been saying over the past uh, day or so is that the NFL does not want discovery. There, there's no big business that wants discovery. And they can go into cell phone records and they can go into emails and all that kind of stuff. How do you think the NFL, Alicia, could attempt to narrow the scope and the possible damages of this case they're looking at? Well, in terms of narrowing the scope and possible damages, that's a little bit different than preventing the discovery phase. The NFL will likely be filing motions to dismiss the case. Um, I I don't think those motions will be successful. Frankly, it's a pretty well-pled pleading. I think that Brian Flores will at least um, move past the summary judgment phase of the civil procedural process. But In terms of limiting discovery, the rules of federal civil procedure give both sides to a case different ways that they can object to what becomes discoverable. And we have to imagine that the NFL will be very strongly utilizing those rules (laughs) in an attempt to create a fence around any damning evidence should it exist. But regardless of the outcome of this case for Brian Flores, I think one of the most impactful things that will arise 
from him, frankly, being pretty brave and suing the NFL and his former employer and two potential employers. I think one positive thing that will emerge from it is greater transparency in how the NFL hiring process unfolds. Alicia Jessup is with us. She's legal analyst for The Athletic, a lawyer, professor at Pepperdine University. Uh, What does history, Alicia, tell us about employment law cases? They're not easy to win. So like I mentioned earlier, he has sued under five different laws, two of which are federal laws. The first federal law being a violation of Section 1981 of the Civil Rights Act of 1866. That law requires him to prove intentional discrimination. And discrimination still exists in the United States, racial discrimination in particular, It is relatively hard, though, for plaintiffs to prove intentional discrimination. Um, You you have to have some sort of almost smoking gun of evidence to win that type of a case. He might have better luck under the Title VII claim because, as I described earlier in the segment, that law allows you to allege first intentional discrimination, which, again, is hard, but also that disparate impact discrimination, which might create um, a more simpler path to winning the case for him. But again, it's not easy. We have to remember that Title VII was enacted in 1964 as part of the Civil Rights Act. But despite its legislator drafters' intentions of creating greater opportunities for diverse people in this country, most often employers win these cases because of that business necessity defense. So they're very, very, very hard cases to win. Alicia, one of the things is, you know, when you look at a class action lawsuit, uh, you can get a settlement, but you also want whoever you're suing to change what they have been doing. And that's the whole basis of the argument, right? So Brian Flores, this class action lawsuit, he wants others to join him in this battle against the NFL, what kind of actionable response do you think Flores would be asking of the league? Like, what is his end game aside from, you know, possibly settling with money, which I don't think he wants to do? What do you think the end game here is? What 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 is actionable that he can force upon the NFL to try to change? Yeah, and I think that's a great question because there's a prayer for relief in this lawsuit just like there is in any other lawsuit and of course he asked for compensatory damages and punitive damages but if you read the 58 page lawsuit and you really dive into what he's seeking this doesn't seem like a money grab this seems like a man who believes he was wrong who believes people who look like him have unfairly been discriminated against and held out of positions and he's saying okay I realize what's gone on in this league when people stand up against certain things. And I realize I'm taking a risk of possibly being blackballed from the league ever again, but I'm willing to take that risk because in filing this lawsuit, I'm going to ask that a court order changes to how the NFL hiring process unfolds. And so in the complaint, he specified that some of the relief he's seeking is for the court to order injunctions For instance, requiring the NFL to allow more black person oversight over the hiring process to put black people on different committees for the hiring process um, to require greater transparency and openness in the process. So whether that will happen is to be seen. Courts generally don't interfere in a company's business practices. 
But if the court does find that the company here, the NFL, is behaving discriminatorily, it might be inclined to issue that injunction. Last one for you, Alicia. And again, thanks for the time. It's appreciated. Got about two minutes here. Uh, with two allegations of teams incentivizing their, their own teams to lose, does this bring other legal troubles to the Dolphins and the Browns that they may face? Sure does. If I was the lawyer for the coaches or team owners or individuals alleged to have incentivized a coach to throw a game, um, I would definitely be advising my client first to stay silent. But there's potential other litigation that could emerge from this. There's federal statutes that I could point to where you could argue they've been violated if that fact pattern is true. Um, namely the federal statutes being 18 U.S.C. Section 224 or even a Florida state law statute, which is Section 838.12. So those are not great allegations (laughs) to have against you. And you're probably thinking, if you are one of the individuals that these have been raised against, uh uh-oh, I think there's greater litigation coming down the road. Alicia, thank you. Great stuff. Again, I am certainly not a lawyer. wanted the experts' thoughts. Uh, fantastic. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road again about uh, whatever happens legally in the sports world. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. There goes uh, Alicia Jessup, legal analyst for The Athletic, lawyer, professor at Pepperdine University.